So can you picture Jesus at this party that a Pharisee, a very important Pharisee, probably a member of the Sanhedrin, has set up. And he's invited all his guests, including Jesus. And Jesus uses the opportunity to do three things. Well, actually four, because he starts off by healing a man. There's a man present. Why this man is here, I do not know. But he's suffering from a swelling of some kind. We don't know what the cause was, but he was obviously clearly, visibly, physically unwell. And Jesus heals him. And then he asks a question of the Pharisees, and this is the fourth time he's posed this question about healing. Is it okay? You know, people sort of make a great deal of fuss. Pharisees very particular about religion. Healing on a Sabbath day was a real no-no. But Jesus saw people's needs, and as far as he was concerned, it needed immediate action. And God sees your needs and mine, and he knows what those are. Sometimes he knows them better than we know ourselves, and he's ready to take immediate action. In fact, he takes action before we've even realized sometimes we've got a problem. That's why Jesus died. Jesus paid the price for my forgiveness. He paid the penalty for my sin 2,000 years ago. He knew I would need forgiving, and he made a way possible. So that's the first thing that Jesus does. And then he starts looking around at those that had come, and he noticed that people are picking their seats very carefully. Some want to sit up near the head of the the, of the table. They, remember, they're reclining on couches. And, and, and so people are taking their seats. And some people think, I'm oh, quite important. I'll sit up here. Because there were no place names. And Jesus said, how important it is that we don't push ourselves. When we go to a, a feast like that, we should take a low seat. And then if someone comes in and sees we're sitting in a low seat, we might get invited up. But if we take a high seat, well, that could be embarrassing if somebody more important comes in and the host has to say, excuse me, could you just make room for somebody else to sit there? And you end up sitting at the bottom. So he talked about humility. And then he looked to the host, and he looked around at those that were there, and he had a word to say to him. When you're inviting people to a party, think about who you're inviting. Don't just invite the people you know. Just, just invite all your nice next-door neighbours. You know, think about other people that are around who might benefit from your hospitality. And I wonder whether when we are thinking about parties or nice things we might put on, who we might invite. Who are the outcasts that get neglected and don't get invited? Who don't we spend time talking to? So we need to think about these things Jesus told. And while he was talking about this and saying about the fact that there was going to be a feast day one day in heaven, uh, someone interrupts him and says, oh, how blessed that person is who can have a feast. And that's when Jesus told this story about I cannot come. Three people are named as uh, examples of those that gave excuses, but everyone that was invited declined the invitation. Now, the custom was that the invitation would go out well in advance so that people could plan and get ready. 
And then when the meal was ready, an invitation would go out and say, well, the meal's ready, now it's time for you to come. So this is the situation when the second invitation has gone out. These people should have had it in their diaries. They should have known that they were expected at this banquet. But they all began to make excuses. They all began to make excuses. One of them said, well, I, I, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I need to try them out. It's like saying today, I, I've bought five brand new Fergie tractors and I need to see if they're working all right. Well, it's a bit stupid. I mean, he would have inspected them in advance. He would have known that they were okay, didn't need to go and look at the oxen. They'd be there. He must have been incredibly wealthy to want five yoke of oxen, incidentally. Another one said, well, I, I've bought a field and I need to go and look at it. Oh, the field was going to be there the next day. What was so important about the field that, that it needed to be examined? And the third one says, I've married a wife, so I can't come. Well, there's a little bit of possible understanding here because according to the law, when a man got married, he was to pay attention to his wife and give attention to his wife for a period of time, and he was not allowed to go into the army or anything like that. He had to be available to build his relationship with his wife. But weddings were planned months and months in advance, and it would have been possible for that arrangement not to have clashed in his diary. So on the surface, it looks as if these are reasonable excuses. People have got business interests that they have to attend to. They have got relationships that they have to attend to. Surely this is quite reasonable. But when you know how the custom works and know that they knew a long time in advance that they had received this invitation, there is no excuse. These are reasons stuffed with a lie. They're not real excuses. They were just snubbing the person who had given the invitation. They could not be bothered. Jesus is talking about God's love. God's invitation for us to share his life. I can't think of anything more wonderful in life that I could experience compared with the privilege of sharing in God's life day after day, walking with him, talking with him, sharing my problems with him, knowing he loves me, knowing he cares for me, knowing he knows my needs and provides for me. All of these things and more he does for me and he does it for you. There is nothing to compare with that invitation to a banquet and we feast here and now. It's great to think about the feast we'll have in heaven and I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping that macaroni cheese is on the recipe. But here and now there are blessings and so often people don't enter into them. We neglect the invitation. I heard of a lady in America who had died and when people came to the funeral service in the church she attended, uh, they walked past her open coffin. And as they paraded past her coffin and looked at this dear sister who was lying in the coffin, they were very surprised to find her holding 
a fork, a dining fork, not a fork and spade, a dining fork in her hand. They wondered, what's going on? When the pastor got up to speak, he said, all of you saw our sister lying in the coffin and holding a fork, and you probably are all wondering, why ever was she doing that? So I'm going to tell you, because she has asked me to tell you. She told me that when she was a little girl, and they'd had their main meal, and mum had collected up the dinner plates to take them away for washing, she would sometimes say, you can keep your fork, you can keep your fork. And if she said that, they knew that there was something really super wonderful that was to follow. That lady died knowing that there's something super wonderful to follow. And she was ready for it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you accepted the invitation? I was just coming up to 17 when I read these words in Scripture. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never turn away. At that time, my life was a mess. I had developed really bad habits and had bad company. And I was finding it difficult to change my life. I wanted to be right with God. I believed one day I would have to stand before him. And I was ashamed. And then I read, whoever comes to me, I will never turn away. That's the invitation to the banquet. We are all invited to the banquet, but we all need to say thank you. Have you RSVP'd God? Have you told him thank you for the invitation? I want to be there. I'm ready. No excuses. No excuses. I'm ready now to receive your love. I'm ready now to receive your forgiveness. I'm ready now to enter into a relationship with you that will go through time and on into eternity where it gets unbelievably, unbelievably better. We're going to sing a song about this faithful God who invites us into his presence and perhaps you'd like to remain seated while we sing this and it will lead us to the table. Lord, I come before your throne. Now I have some words we invite you to share in saying. You'll have them on your pew sheets and they will be on the screen. I will say some of the words if we will all join together in expressing our thanks. And in the latter part of this, each, after each phrase, will you join together just to say we give thanks. But the letters should be in bold on the screen. We come to this table with hearts full of praise. We thank you for your gift of love, which we remember in bread and wine, for the sacrifice you have made. We give thanks. For the invitation to come and find forgiveness, we give thanks. For the welcome we have received from you, we give thanks. For the blessings that flow into our lives from the cross, we give thanks. For this feast of love, we give thanks. For the feast yet to come, when we shall sit at table with our Saviour, 
we give thanks. If anybody would like to come and say a prayer, or either those on, or up here with me would like to lead us in a prayer, please feel free. But first, we remember the words that the Apostle Paul wrote, recalling what he had received from the Lord. He wrote, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he come. So here today, that's what we do. We take bread that's been broken and we share it together, remembering that Jesus also took bread and broke it and shared it with his disciples as he was preparing for his crucifixion. And we take this wine and we drink it to remember that he sacrificed his body on the cross. The evening before in the garden he had prayed, if it's possible let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want to be done. And so he took a bitter cup and he drank that bitter cup. All the dregs drank it dry so that we might have cups of blessing. The psalmist spoke about a table that was laden with good things and a cup that was running over. That's what we should be experiencing. That's all that God wants in our lives. So let's just be still and give thanks in our own way for Christ's death for us on the cross. If anybody would like to come and lead us in a prayer, please do. Sometimes, Lord, saying thank you just doesn't seem to be enough. We think about that story that Jesus told and the anger that the host felt because he had been snubbed. All the money that had been spent on that banquet wasted because people presented excuses. And we think about all that has been opened up to us. Abundant blessings in our lives down here and an eternity in your presence and glory. And we think about the price. What did it cost for us to be invited to this banquet? 
Loving God, as we take bread and wine, we pray that you will help each one of us just to somehow catch a glimpse of the cross afresh. To hear the words of Jesus spoken in love, first for his mother, as he commended her to the care of a disciple, but also for those who had hammered nails through his hands and his feet, as he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So we give you our thanks. And we pray, make the bread that we eat, the wine that we drink, somehow speak afresh to us of the enormity of your great love for us and the price that's been paid. And we share together in saying the Lord's Prayer. It's on the screen and on your sheets if you'd like to share it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours are yours now and forever. Amen. So as the bread is served, will you wait until we've all been served and then we'll eat at the same time. Wounded for me, there on the cross he was wounded for me, gone my transgressions, and now I am free, all because Jesus was wounded for me. Let us eat with thankfulness. And similarly, as the wine is served, please, will you hold on to your cups as they come so that we can all drink at the same time. Oh, let us give thanks for the death of Jesus as we share in remembering his precious bloodshed for us. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. I do believe, I will believe that Jesus died for me, that on the cross he paid my debt and now has set me free. So let us remember the price that Jesus paid, give thanks for that wonderful sacrifice he made for our forgiveness. Let us drink.
Loving God, we pray that as we have tasted a little in remembrance of the sacrifice Jesus made for us, may we truly, Lord, take from you all that you long to pour into our lives. We open our hearts to you. We pray that you will fill our lives with yourself. Release the power of your Holy Spirit within us, Lord, we pray, that we might not only enjoy the fullness of all the blessings you long to bring into our lives, but that through our lives we might show the reality of Jesus' death and resurrection in our lives. So, Lord, bless this time of remembrance, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to be bold and ask you to bear with me as we sing as our concluding hymn uh, this morning, um, a hymn that most of you are very unlikely to know. It was written by someone called Christine Getty, uh, who's a wonderful Christian songwriter in Ireland. And uh, the words are on your sheet. If you want the words, they'll be on the screen. I have to apologize that the first, half the first verse is slightly obscured because of a mistake I made during editing. Uh, but it's a wonderful, triumphant song. She's going to teach it to us. So we remain seated while she teaches. Then we're going to stand and sing it again. Does anybody know here the call of the kingdom? Oh, at least two people. Well, that's good. Okay. So we, again, sing it out boldly. Okay. Thank you for being here and sharing in the service. Let's pray for one another, God's blessing, as we part and seek to be those who invite others to the feast. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.